0: Welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am my Tzvi Jacobson boy, with NRM Streetcast. And we'll spend our time talking, Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments or our mailbag at letstalktora at gmail.com. And of course I will answer as many as I can. Or, or you can go to our webpage at let's That's letstalktora.net. The archives are there, the news shows are there, place for comments, place for questions. And, of course, that donate button, which we appreciate every time you hit that donate button. And there's different levels. And please help the show continue to grow. Help us spread the word. Let people know about us. Any amount is greatly appreciated. And you want a shout out a Bar Mitzvah, a wedding, an anniversary, a happy birthday. Whatever works, you write it down and we will take care of that. Not to worry. And you want to be anonymous, we can do that, too. And that's what most people like. Anyways, you know, um, I'll let you know when I can figure out what's going on with the weather around here. I mean, you know, I made a picture two weeks ago. It was 50 for the weekend. It was beautiful. Then all of a sudden during the week, it's 20 degrees outside, and the wind chill is even colder. Then uh, all of a sudden, starts warming up by the middle of this week. I think yesterday hit 60. I don't think it hit 60 today. I think it's in the mid-50s. And it's just, it's like, whoa, like up and down and up and down. And uh, okay, it's for some people, it's hard to stay healthy with all the change of the weather. Like, if it's winter, let's be winter. If it's spring, let's be spring. But, you know, come on, like, make up your mind. In any case, I can't help you. I have not heard any complaints from the people when it's warm outside. Um, I told you, Ray, they didn't have enough snow, but I don't know. Michigan, is, I feel bad. You know, we're, we're, we, up north, you used to get lots of snow, and it's a, it's a livelihood for a lot of people, and I don't know. It's been a hard year. And I, I think we've been, been out oh, the last couple of years. It's been rough. But okay, for the people who like it warm, it's beautiful. So we started talking at the end of the last show. This is a Torah portion about the priestly vestments, those beautiful, royal, regal garments that the priests would wear when they worked in the temple and what the high priest would wear when he worked in the temple. Interesting enough, um, it's, it's, like it's more than just a, um, a dress code or a, a uniform. I mean, I guess this works in the army as well. Right? As if you're supposed to you know, line up in the morning and you decide instead of wearing a your uniform, you're putting on a bathing suit, or you're putting on a T-shirt, I'm not sure what happens, but I imagine it's not good. There's a way you're expected to dress. The priests are the same. They cannot do any of the service. They can't bring any of the sacrifices wearing the wrong clothes. Right? You wear the wrong clothes, um, there's a heavenly death penalty. Right? It's not a joke. And I always found it fascinating. Um, the priests are walking around in beautiful white garments. You know, depending, in, uh, I guess, depending which countries you lived in in those days, in the Egyptian area of the world, in the North Africa, probably Israel also, um, linen clothing, white, beautiful, pure white linen clothing was a, a symbol of uh, prestige it was for the kings. It was for the officers. It was, it was special garments. So perhaps that's the same idea over here, right? In other words, these are, this is royalty. This is how you dress when you want to show beauty. The problem is that you're sacrificing animals. There's blood all over the place. How exactly? You know, I, I can barely eat breakfast and keep my shirt white, you know, it happens all the time. Coffee spills. I mean, in class, that happens all the time. You're drinking it, and and I don't know, and you weren't paying attention, and you spill the coffee. I was uh, talking to a colleague today by recess, and he had a cup of coffee in his hand, and a ball came flying from out of nowhere. It actually missed the cup of coffee. It was really close. But you hit that cup of coffee, your shirt is done. It's done. Like, what are you going to do? So it's interesting to think about what exactly was going on that they're wearing pure white, beautiful linen clothing, and you're sacrificing and you're catching the blood and you're throwing the blood and you're walking. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a working, you know, temple. Things are going on. I, I don't know how you kept it clean. And probably every time it got dirty, you had to go ahead and immediately change. Probably was part of the process. You're forever changing your clothes because it's, it's just impossible. But I wanted to talk in this show about one of the garments called the me'il. So the the me'il itself was it's called a robe. It was a totally made of blue wool. It had a the neck was a hole where it was actually um, it's actually command you had to like double the material so it wouldn't tear. Right, anybody who wears t-shirts, you know. Um, At some point, again, all our T-shirts or any of those types of shirts um, have those heavy um, neck parts, however you explain it, because that was going to tear. And sometimes they tear anyways if you've been wearing them long enough. That's just life. So this one, there was a command, it can't tear. Did it have sleeves? Was it a full, like, long shirt? Was it open on the sides? Uh, Was it sleeveless? Um, all this is debatable amongst the rabbis, exactly what it looked like, but it was a totally blue wool. But what was special was the bottom. On the hem, there's golden bells and what the Torah calls pomegranates. Really, it just means you're going to take, um, some blue, purple, and red wool, and you're going to sort of like, um, bunch it up together, and it will be in the shape of a pomegranate. Even here, it's debatable if you, um, if the golden bell, if it was like, it was staggered, like golden bell, pomegranate, golden bell, pomegranate, golden bell, pomegranate, or, because it's hard to understand how to read the verse, or the golden bell actually was surrounded, at least the top part, by the pomegranate. So that's also debatable on exactly what it looked like. We have no one to tell us what it looked like. And that means that when the high priest would be walking around, you knew he was coming. No secrets. He cannot sneak up on anybody. How are you supposed to sneak up every time you walk? Jingle, jingle. You can't go anywhere without people knowing, which is really a good thing. You know, in school, it's a great example, right? Nobody wants that they're doing something and the the principal sneaks up behind you. You want, you want advance warning. You would actually prefer, like, you know, a, a notice to go up uh, on some uh, billboard to say Prince will be here in exactly, you know, uh, one minute and 14 seconds. All right? And here's his footsteps. No one likes to be surprised. Actually, we learn a law out from here that when you enter your house, you're supposed to knock first. No surprise. Everyone knows you're coming into the house. You knock on a door before you walk in. So, one, as I was saying in the last show, every single garment um, created a forgiveness for different sins. The sin that the me'il, that this robe, created was for slander because the bells make noise. Somebody who slanders is talking with his mouth. He's making noise. So, the noise of one will take care of the other, so there's a it's a beautiful lesson to give us a feeling into how slander, lust, and horror works, and that could be any sin with your mouth, whether it's lying, whether it's whether it's trying to get somebody in trouble, true, not true. So it's interesting. The bells were made of gold. The word for gold is Zahav. There's three letters in the word Zahav. To hint to you, the three people who are affected by lashon hara, you think about. It, there's three people affected. There's right. There's the guy telling the story. Right. There's the guy you're talking to, and then there's the guy you're, or girl that you're talking about, right? So three different groups. The one who's doing the talking, the one who's being talked to, and the one who's being talked about. Those are the three that we have to worry about. So the story goes like this. There was a man who had three daughters, and he couldn't get them married. And there was a reason he couldn't get them married. One of those daughters was, uh, was fantastically lazy fantastically lazy. One um, stole everything she got her hands on And one was just a gossiper, a slanderer, a complainer. Like, you couldn't even sit in her presence. It was just painful because every word out of her mouth was just horrible. Anyways, one day this man was talking to somebody about his three daughters, and the guy says, you know, I have three sons. I'm desperate to get them married. And I'm a wealthy man. I'm not worried about your three daughters. I'll be able to take care of it. So they make the weddings. All three daughters are married. To the daughter who was lazy, to that son, he supplied him with all kinds of maids, maids, servants. So she didn't have to clean. She didn't have to cook. She was so lazy. But big deal. So she... Anyway, she has servants to take care of her, so it's not even noticeable that she's lazy. Okay, that was easy. The one who couldn't help stealing, he gave her the key to one of his treasure houses. She had more than what you could even imagine what to do with. Like, wh- why steal? I- everything I need. I-, I have more money than I could ever spend in my whole life if I lived a 1,000 years. So she sort of got that need to take what wasn't hers uh, out of her system. The third one, she was going to be difficult. Everything was a complaint. Everything. So what he used to do was he would go every morning and he would ask her for a list, tell me all the things that need to be fixed, all your complaints. And she had lists. But the man was wealthy. (laughs) The window makes noise. There's a draft from over here. I don't like the color of this room. Um, The bed's not comfortable. Um, I don't like what this servant looks like. Um, The food was burnt. Eh, No problem. Wealthy man, everything's taken care of. Well, the problem was that this third wife, the only thing she had to live for was complaining. That's what kind of person she was. So she actually became melancholy. He took care of everything. There was nothing to complain about so one day her father comes, and he says, how's married life? Oh, and she starts complaining. It's terrible. My father-in-law, he makes me crazy. He comes here every day. He harasses me. He, he doesn't let me live. He, he just, he, he's just, oh, he's like, he, he, he's like, I don't know. He's, uh, he's like stalking me. So her father said, what? Your father was stalking you? I thought he was such a nice guy. I'm going to hide here tomorrow morning. Sure enough, the father-in-law doesn't know what's going on. And the girl's father is hiding in the bedroom. The father-in-law comes in. Okay, you know, what needs to be taken care of today? And she starts screaming, get away from me. Leave me alone. What are you bothering me for? Get out of here. The father hears the screaming. The father-in-law doesn't know what's going on. The father comes in. What's going on here? He sees a knife on the table, picks up the knife, and he stabs, and he stabs the father-in-law. He's dead. The son, one of the sons of the father-in-law, comes in, sees the knife in the hand of the girl's father. Hey, picks up that knife and he kills the father. You kill my father, I kill your father. Two are dead. The husband comes in and he sees the father-in-law dead, sees the father dead, figures out in one minute that his wife, this complainer, this miserable person, is the cause of everybody's suffering, and he kills her. The one who spoke the slander, the girl, she's dead. The one she spoke to, her father, he's dead. The one she spoke about, the father-in-law, he's dead. Right. So the three people, the three people that are involved in this story are all dead. And that's really the lesson. That's really the lesson we have to always take. The lesson of slander is nobody wins. Nobody. In our story, everybody's dead. So we, we started talking in the last story portion. that It says these garments are for honor and for splendor. The high priest, the Koenigundal, he is the most honored. He is the spiritual leader. And it says he's going to put on these bells to remind him, I guess when he hears the sound of the bells, it reminds him to be humble. Seems to be a contradiction. Are you the spiritual leader? Are you wearing clothes to make you honored and full of splendor? Or are you humble? Which one is it? bascentiev gives an interesting parable. He says the Emperor was coming to to a certain city, and the Prince wants to impress him, and he tells all the people the Emperor is coming, and we're going to make a parade, and we're going to all be involved and and we're going to show honor to the emperor and The Prince goes out to greet him in his chariot and and once he greets the Emperor, he turns around to lead the parade. And as the prince is marching through, the city is screaming and yelling and cheering. And the prince is embarrassed out of his mind. He says, I don't understand. What are you cheering for me? I'm just the prince. You got to save your cheers for the emperor, right? So that's really what's going on with the high priest. We have two things going on at the same time. The high priest has to have self-worth, right? We're all special, right? We need to know who we are and what we are at the same time. But where does the honor really belong? So I, I, the high priest has to, has to, I want to say, put on a show, but he has to know he's the leader at the same time. That's not who the accolades go to, which, interesting enough, uh, um, answers a question I just studied with somebody last night. There's haughtiness or we call being a Balgaiva, and there's humbleness, being an honor, being humble. So you could imagine that if I get rid of being haughty, I'm automatically humble. Right? So the Mitzil Sharon, the Ramchal, in Path of the Just, in one of the earlier chapters, he talks about getting rid of haughtiness. Not to get towards the very end, till he talk about being humble. So the question is, why? Get rid of being haughty. I'm automatically humble. So he says, they explain, no. Being haughty means that I think um, I'm greater than I really am. I think everybody should be bowing down to me. I think everybody should be listening to me. I think I'm the smartest guy in the room. I don't see any of my idiosyncrasies. I am just, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. So that kind of false, you know, bravado—that uh, looking at myself as greater than I am—that's haughtiness. If you know exactly who you are, and your foibles, and 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 what you're good at, what you're not good at, now you're not haughty, but you're not humble. Humble is recognizing that even the things you're good at are all from God. So first, I need to know I'm not perfect, <laughs> far from perfect. After I get to that point, after I'm at a point where I know I'm not perfect, I got my problems, the next step is can you recognize even the stuff that you do have has nothing to do with you. It's all from God. So that's what's going on over here, right? The high priest needs to know exactly who he is, and then he has to have the bells telling him, but it's all from God. Okay, so that's beautiful. That's part of the lessons that we're learning from the me'il, so it says at the end of the Torah portion, it talks about the golden altar, the mizbech hazav, which is interesting because we Moses already described and discussed all the vessels, the ark, the table for the showbread, the menorah, uh, the, the 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 beams and the curtains and the outside altar. He described and discussed all that in last week's Torah portion. Why is the the golden altar, which is meant for the Torah spices, why is that in this week's Torah portion? At the end of the Torah portion, after we got the priestly vestments and the garments, and after we got the inauguration sacrifices, then we're ready to talk about the Mizbech Hazab, the golden altar. Why? So it says like this. We say, Tikin, um, that my, that King David said that my prayers should be like the katoris spices. I mean, that's very nice. But why didn't King David said that, God, you should accept my prayers or my prayers should be set up like the, like the Ola offering or the chatos offering, like sacrifices, so he says, you know, when I bring a sacrifice, it means I did something wrong. I'm repenting. I'm probably not so happy because I'm recognizing that I've made terrible mistakes. The spices, the ketores spices, are only for joy. They are not brought for any sin, nothing wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't owe God anything. I am totally happy, joyous, Good mood, feeling good, that's the Ketores spices, right? And that's the prayer we want. We want a prayer when we're praying to God, we're we're in a joyous mood, right? And that, by the way, we've talked about in the past, God hangs out with people who are happy. You want to be a prophet? I don't know if you can't have prophets nowadays, but God only gave his prophecy. when the prophet was in a good mood. if he was melancholy, if he was sad, not happening. Jacob is sad for 22 years because he doesn't know what happened to Joseph. God doesn't talk to Jacob for 22 years. Elijah needs a prophecy. he has to tell the musician, let's play me some music because um, I gotta be in the right. I gotta be in the right mood that God should talk to me. right? So and if you think about it, by the way, right? Um, the, the highlight of Yom Kippur, of uh, the day of atonement is when the high priest entered the Holy of Holies with the Katoris spices on the day we want forgiveness, right? What is the high priest doing? He's going in to the Holy of Holies with the katoris right? So I think it's interesting because the Katoris by the way, was also not only was the Me'il, the robe we just talked about, um, would cause forgiveness for slander. The Katoris also did, because the Ketores is like, a, it's a silent um, sacrifice, because you're just burning it. It's a, you know, there's no noise, not doing anything. It's inside, it's quiet. And that also is part of, right? People slander, they think they're doing it in secret, so we have a sacrifice brought in secret, which will cause forgiveness. So and Hara, slander co- creates animosity, we need joy. We need togetherness. So I don't have too much time. I know it's getting late, but um, let's try this. Let's hopefully have enough time to get through this. Um, the, 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 the Talmud discusses, it's really a Zohar, I think. Um, what is the quintessential verse in the Torah? If you had to pick a verse, that this, this is the verse that should be hanging on your wall. So some of you would say, Hero Israel, right? Shema Israel, Hashem l'keneh, Hashem Some would put on the wall, V'yahat Love your friend like yourself. And there's a third possibility. The first two, yeah, those are standard. There's a third possibility, and that is, as a echad One sacrifice you'll bring in the morning. Oh. We're going to have to get back to this another time. The music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it it's short and sweet. Thank you, of course, all the wonderful sponsors You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you on the production team. We have Ellen in the back today. And we have left to send food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRS Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. It's take. Oh, a million for the world we're going to make. There's a house we can build. Every.